KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play, exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Geez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy, available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO, now also available on Hubble. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Dylan and Friends. Dylan Friends, mind you, that's actually the name of the show. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you've enjoyed the start of the year. It's been an awesome start. So much awesome feedback and really appreciate everyone tuning in and sending it around to their friends and family, mum, dads, grandmas and grandpas. So thank you so much for tuning in, which has been really cool. Had some really awesome episodes and as I mentioned, some great feedback. And today I am really excited for this episode to be released. Andrew Russell, Jack Russell, as they call him, former Port Adelaide, former Essendon, former Hawthorne, and current Carlton High Performance Manager has an absolute wealth of knowledge in the sports science sector. And this episode was so cool for anyone who's just looking to get an edge in any part of their life. Um, it was really, really cool. We touched on so many cool things, really, like habit stacking, the, you know, the ice bath trend, um, genuinely everything. Darcy, you're right next to me. What else did we talk about? Uh, you don't use it, you lose it. Oh, that was actually one of my favorite parts, uh, D-Bomb. You don't use it, you lose it. I feel like I'm in that boat at the moment, 30 years old. I know somewhat young in the modern world, uh, but still, I've been quite inactive for a while. And this year, you're trying to get my body back um, into things and had some great tips and motivation to, to do so. Um, which was really cool. But there were so many sort of good bits around sleeping and habits, building habits, um, so many sort of good things around purpose, interests. We spoke about hope, grit, all these really, really cool things. And the way Jack sort of talks about these things too, it's so relevant for anyone and everyone in in their uh, direct field that just to get the best out of himself. So I know you guys will enjoy this one. If you do, it'd be absolutely awesome if you could send this to friends as I said at the start, that, you know, might enjoy this episode too. It really does help the show more than you know. And also, what really does help is rating the show. Um, give it five stars. And, um, yeah, that would be absolutely huge if, if that's the way you feel. If it's not, you can do it anyway. That would be awesome. Um, last but not least, we have two other news things um, sort of relevant at the moment, which are really cool. One is the merch has been restocked. You've asked for it. We've bought it. The hoodies are back in stock. Head to DylanFriends.com. Uh, if you're keen to get a hoodie. And secondly, Adelaide Gather Round is happening as well, which we're really excited about. So stay tuned in the next week for tickets for our live show over at Gather Round if you're heading over or if you're in South Australia. We've never done anything over there, likewise of Perth, but we're really keen to uh, have a big impact and do something really cool. So I'd love to see you all there. Thank you. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. It's about time I sat down with my son and yeah. had a decent <laughs> chat. This is going to be right. They don't actually know who I am, but when they watch me play football, I don't think many people do like me. A tribute band. Queen, so they played two songs for Pre-game. us. Pre-game. Pre-game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What? So real, Dylan. I looked down and there's this shark biting my left leg. Joe. And I turned around and it was Kobe. No one misses eight weeks of footy with a jarred knee. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Scott, no friends, Scott, no friends. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I cannot miss this opportunity to get on the Dill and Friends podcast. Jack, how are you, my friend? Good deal. It's good, good to be, to be back. back. Yeah, yeah. 2020? 
2021. I actually I listened to it the other day, making sure I didn't go over the old ground and bore people. So. <laughs> Hopefully we got some new interesting content. I very much appreciate you coming in, mate. It's a, it's an honour, pleasure, pleasure and privilege to get you back in the studio. Wealth of knowledge and to this day, easily one of the most requested episodes to come back and have you as a guest. I know you're a very busy man uh, at the Blues at the moment, but um, we really appreciate your time. And it's not often, Das, we get a guest coming in with some handwritten notes, which just gives me... Yeah, it's exciting. It gives me adrenaline. It gives me excitement and... That's about it. But I'm pumped. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about what that adrenaline means. <laughs> okay, good. Where, where it's coming from and how it can help you for, later for on. Someone we'll bring who that into it. Hasn't um, heard that pod before. Could you give a quick little synopsis, elevator pitch of who you are, what you do? Yep. And then also what you've been up to over the break. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I worked in AFL footy for over 20 years. Um, a bit of a one-trick pony. Very fortunate. Came out of uh, university straight into great Kevin Sheedy. Got me involved in Essendon. Um, and then at the age of 23, I'm running Port Adelaide's program. Um, was there for four years. Uh, fortunate enough to be part of a premiership there. We went went to Hawthorne when Clarko started. So we started together. We built that together. I was there for 14 years of that journey, um, which we had some great times. We had some tough times. Um, it was all part of it. Uh, and then I end up um, Carlton and been at Carlton for, um, feels like forever. Mm. But, uh, you know, four or five years, Carlton. Um, I've also trained uh, some Olympic athletes along the way, um, which has been really special to me. I, you know, I've, I, I love physiology. I, I love, you know, really training that, you know, individual athlete. So to get the, the team sport involvement, but also get the individual involvement um, was amazing. And again, had some really, you know, some real highs with that and learn a lot. You know, I made a couple of big mistakes, you know, probably one big mistake. And again, the mistake was around communication with that athlete at a time when they were um, Jeff Risley, um, which is, you know, one of Australia's greatest middle distance guys. Um, he still holds a thousand meter Australian record. He was in the best shape of his life and we didn't get it right at the world champs. Um, he had an injury 10 days out he didn't need to have through communication. I'm here, he's in Europe. Highly motivated athlete, doesn't quite give you know everything around i'm sore i'm this i'm that i didn't really listen to some of the messages you were sending me because i'm so motivated about mate we're flying here we're going to go you know you're going to be the first athlete in 40 something years to make a final the world champs um because you know he was in you know he was in 143 shape which i think there's only been one athlete i think peter Boll uh, might be the only ones run 143 so um anyway so you learn you continue to learn and um you never nail it it's a hectic experience that like the the athlete coach relationship because I've found as being in those positions a little bit too and and today actually just to to wrap when we talk about athletes for those out there listening you know you might not be an elite athlete you know I might be uh, Peter Bowl running in the Olympics but athletes I find now are not just the ones running they're like businessmen businesswomen they're people that just want to excel in their field and all of this stuff is relevant for everyone. And I even find now, like all of my mates that just loved your episode that we did, they're all just guys and girls that just want to get the best out of themselves. Is that how you define an athlete? 100%. Uh, every single thing we're going to talk about today is about just being your best self. Mm. The athletes apply these principles to running faster, kicking a footy better, swimming down the, you know, down the lane faster. But um, it doesn't matter if you want to be the best cook you can be, you want to be the 
you know, the best financial planner you want to be. It doesn't matter what you want to be. These principles apply. For sure. I'm a better athlete now than I was when I when I was playing elite sport. And Are you sure? Well, well mentally, I think. <laughs> Maybe not physically, which we'll, we'll touch on later. But I do genuinely feel like my habits now are, and it, it comes to the stage as well of like, you know, you don't know what you know till you know it and you've got to learn from mistakes and all these bits and pieces. But I feel like I'm a, a, more, a lot more high achieving athlete than I am now than I was, for sure. Well, but this is the this is why it's so important education piece, isn't it? Because mm. so many athletes come through the system and aren't really sure what to do or how to do it. You wouldn't it's believe complex. this, right? But when I first got into footy, I didn't even know that players did preseason training. So, like the first test we ever did, they're like, "Oh, what'd you do over the break?" So I had a great holiday. They're like, did you do any of the running? I was like, I thought that was just like optional. I didn't. What, what year did you start? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Wow. You're on another planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've said there this, weren't too many of you around in We said this last time that I don't think our relationship would be as strong as it is now no, if no. we had to work together. But <laughs> I'm happy that that didn't happen. Anyway, um, what did you get up over the break? Were you you're doing some stuff uh, away? Doing some yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years we couldn't get away because of COVID. Um, I was really fortunate. I, I went to um, I went to Colorado Springs and I did a leadership course over there, which was, which was fascinating. Um, I was working with some amazing people. There was a four-star general in that course who, um, for those who aren't aware, and I actually wasn't aware how important they are in America. Uh, I think there's, I think there's ten of them in America. What is it? Um, well, they're one of the, the. He runs, you know, he runs part of the army. So he runs two hundred fifty thousand of the uh, U.S. Army. This guy. So, um, you know, it was day one. I think I sat there and we had to do all these presentations, and then. And I was having a chat with him. I said, you know, what do you do? You know, and everyone else is thinking this guy's a rock star and I've never heard of him before. And he said, oh, yeah, you're a four-star general. And um, so, you know, have you met the president? He goes, yeah, I met the president. I, I sit down with him once a month and, you know, I chat with the, with the president of the United States about what's happening and, you know, all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to spend more time with you. Fucking hell. Did you get it, like any sort of revelations from being around him? Did you learn anything from him through that sort of course? Or? Uh Look, he was he was very respectful of everyone. Yeah. Um, he was a he was a very well educated man. He was very calm. You could tell how calm he was mm. and how calm he would be under pressure. So that sense of uh, I'm I know that I'm going to be okay if this guy is around. You know that feeling. Yeah. Um, but in terms of leadership, in terms of I mean, he was sitting there and he was one of us. There was a lot of good people in the room, and we debated we chatted we challenged and um you know it was pretty cool out of curiosity how do you get onto one of those sort of like leadership sort of courses like do you have to apply for it or are you asked to come on it like how does that sort of work yeah no you, it, it's interesting yeah uh, you have to apply for it and then they they basically say you you fit the bill you know do you fit the bill yeah. you know um awesome. yeah so it's pretty simple they it's actually an interview process you go through and they say you know we want everyone to be at you know, we don't want people to stand out one yep. way or the other, because uh, what was what was really cool about this experience was that they they had these things that they call a heat experience. So they had three of them over the week, and so a lot of time you learn stuff and it's great, and you take a bit with you and you you sort of miss a bit. What they did is they you would learn a bit and then they'd put you under pressure. So they'd have the camera in the corner, they'd have a concept, and then you had to perform under pressure. So whatever that was. So we work in the room day one. And you had to do a three-minute pitch to the board or someone in your organization to try and change something in your organization. So you walk in the room, you've never met these people before, you don't know who they are, you don't know where they're from. There's 12 people staring at you, 
they're one meter from you. There is a TV camera three meters from you. You had to look straight down the TV camera and give this pitch for three minutes on what you want to do and how you want to make it better. The added layer for me was I was the first one up. So I sort of knew what I was being asked to do, but I didn't know what I was being asked to do, you know? So um, I didn't start that well. I got going and my finish was okay, but a little bit scratchy at the start. What did you talk about? Or was it just off the top of your dome? Did they give you time to prepare? No, no, they gave you time to prepare. Yeah. So yeah, I, I talked about some stuff that we wanted to do a carbon yeah. around, you know, structuring and stuff and, you know, what I thought was important to make us better. So, so the content was simple, you know, but it was just, and then in the afternoon you came back and for three hours we went through the vision, every single person, and we just, they pulled it apart. This is what you did well. This is this is where your eyes went. This was your body language. These were your hands. Why are you using your hands that way? Should you use your hands that way? Uh, your messaging was really effective. Then you dropped off. And they did something really cool at the end. Um, they they asked, so you had to do the, a very specific pitch. And then at the end, they asked you questions about your life. Hmm. All right, asked about where you grew up, your dog, your whatever. And what was fascinating is some people did not change, as in they were exactly the same person when they were on in terms of in work mode and the, you know one part of their brain was switched on and what they were trying to look at was the difference between when one part of your brain is switched on and then you go to another part of your brain when you're just talking about life so you just become natural it's whatever is in your subconscious you don't even know why mm. you're talking about it. you just start talking about your dog and some people change dramatically like they were really highly strung and then just like oh my god that's a different literally flick the switch different person like when they started talking about themselves and they became comfortable with the content and other people the other way. Some people were really anxious talking about their life and they were amazing when they were in work yeah. mode. That's it was pretty cool. What was the like study, like what were you trying to sort of analysis, like anal analyze in that process or was it just little bits and pieces you could pick up on being a better effective communicator, leader? Oh, well that, that specific one was it was just around visual yeah. you know presentation the yeah. ability to you know affect change yeah, and are, you are you believable yeah. yeah do they like you are you believable do you have passion can you back it up with stats you know like all those everything encompassed into one but other stuff we did you know was um we did some other really good stuff during the week as well where we looked at other aspects of you know communication one of them was active listening so for 45 minutes we had to sit there and actually actively listen to someone it's crazy how, you know, really good leaders really struggle to listen. Like they would just, and it, uh, 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 you know, they're jumping in and they're interrupting. It was, it was really cool to watch. I've um, made, and not that I'm a, an incredible leader or anything like that, but there's two things that I've tried to do over the last two years and I'm still trying to effectively do it. And it's like trying to be the last guy to talk around the table. So, you know, when you're in a meeting and, and something happens and you're first to just jump in and give your point of view. And it's like, if you can be the last person to, to actually give your point of view, by the time the seven other or five other people talk, your views probably drastically change to give you a better perspective of the situation and it'll actually change your mind anyway. So it's been a big one that I'm... Darcy, how, how, you young, how are you going yeah. with it? Oh. I think you're improving, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to improve. You're getting there. Yeah. The, um, the concept that I love about this, and it could even flow into one of the topics that you've got here today, is the fact that like, how old are you now? I'm 48. 48. This you've week. been doing this... Can, Happy birthday for this week. Yeah, thanks. You've been doing this for 20 years, you said? Uh, yeah, I started in 1998. So what's that? Fuck me. I, I started at 21. There you go. Yeah, so it's a long time. 
26 years or something. Yeah, what's well, a quiz? Chuck in the notes if you know the answer <laughs> to that. Um, one thing I love about that though and, and what you do is you have to live and breathe what you're preaching, right? And I think that's something that I saw something the other day. If you don't use it, you lose it. I'm in this position now. I'm 30 years old. I talk about this shit on podcasts and I'm actually actively trying to do these things too. And two years ago, I went on this camp with David Butterfin, who you might... Have you ever crossed paths with his yeah, brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no so brothers, yeah. Went right. on one of his camps. Because I left footy, I was like, I'm not fucking testing myself anymore. I haven't done anything. We went to Tassie, did caving. I'm claustrophobic because fuck, like I absolutely hate that shit. Went away with eight guys that I didn't know. Yeah. No phone reception. And was a huge growth experience, like getting uncomfortable. And I had to get up and talk about myself. And, you know, I'm quite good at talking, but around eight people that I didn't know with no phone reception, you imagine how much that sort of stresses you out even a bit more in a foreign state, let alone country. I'm doing another one this year. We're going to do, I think we're doing like a the a trek in, in Tassie. It's called, I think it's like six days sort of to do it. But yeah, point of where I'm going is that importance of being able to force yourself to do uncomfortable things and continue to grow. How important do you feel that is as, as athletes, but as just humans in general? I think it's the most important thing you can do as a human if you want to continue to grow. I think from a, from the point of view of an, an athlete, or anyone who's trained that that sort of the deconditioning. Look at the deconditioning component first yeah. before we worry about getting back in shape. Yeah, the deconditioning component at the cellular level happens really quickly. Like you start to decondition super super early. Now we're talking seven to ten days of limited activity at a cellular level. You start to decondition, and then you got musculoskeletal, so muscles, tendons, ligaments, you know, all those type of things as well, um, which are a little bit longer than that. Um, but you know, you talk about two weeks of inactivity and you're starting to lose a fair bit. But what you you don't need to do much to maintain it though. So just say you train four times a week and you do four lots of 30 minutes of something and strength and, um, and you're building up and, and we know that you need to do more than once, twice a week to get better at something. You know, once a week's not enough. It's Look, it's better than nothing and it's fantastic. But if you actually want to get better, you have to be doing more than, you know, more than, more, definitely more than once a week, whatever that is. Um, but then the, the so the deconditioning. Then you might only once you build it up, you might only have to do once a week hmm. to maintain that quality. So if you're training, you know, aero- and something aerobically, um, if you do once a week, you're gonna be able to maintain it. Speed once a week, you're gonna maintain it. But if you're developing it, you need to do more than that. Hmm. In terms of when you stop, um, it can be it can be really hard. And geez, you got to be good at reading your body and what you can get away with. Weight bearing sport is a lot harder than a non weight bearing sport. So a running based sport is going to be way harsher on the body. You know, the loads going through it are ridiculously higher. So you're going to be able to be more aggressive if you're starting in the gym, if you're starting going bike riding, swimming, anything non-weight bearing like that, you're going to be, it's going to be easier. But this principle of you, you, you know, you don't use it, you lose it is true. Um, but the more you have done previously, you will come back to it quicker. So if you're really active in your teenage years, you will come back to it much quicker than if you're inactive during your teenage years. So a 35-year-old, a 40-year-old who's been inactive for 10 years but was pretty active from, you know, from 12 to 20, they're going to they're a much better chance of, you know, getting back quicker and handling it easier. So that's on a cellular base and I want to talk about muscle memory the question, but a big part of what your role and I assume your role because I've experienced um not your work uh, up close in in training but there's such a cellular thing around like working and your body and your muscles and your tendons and if you don't use it, you lose it. But how about that point of like the mind of like if you, don't, you use it, you lose it in the sense of pushing yourself and continually pushing yourself out of your boundaries? I mean, you really, it's hard to distinguish between body and mind yeah. because it's all one. Mm. Um, 
But at a but again at a cellular level, we're talking about you know brain neurons are exactly the same. If you're not using that, you will lose it, and if you use it, it will grow. So and let's look at developing a skill. So if we talk about footy, we talk about the skill of footy. Uh, sorry, of kicking a footy, handballing. Um, I, I think we might have talked about this last time about laying down a myelin, and you know the more repetitions you do, you lay down more myelin, and then. This concept, you know, heavy and learning, the you know, neurons that fire together wire together. You know, so the rich get richer. If you do if you do exactly the same habit over and over and over and over again, then those neurons are going to wire together and it's going to become very, very strong. Um, if you don't do it, then it starts to unwire. You know, so the body is we can train ourselves to do a lot of things. And it's why you think, how does that athlete do that, but they can't do that? You know, there's very little transfer from being very good at something to very good at something else. Mm. A good swimmer is not a very good runner. Good runner is not a good swimmer. You know, an elite, you know, we have elite, you know, guys went to a France and they go and run and they run a 230 marathon. I mean, it's very good, but it's not the best in the world that they were. So it's very, you know, training is very specific to what you want to be good at. Um, habit building is very specific. If you want to build a habit, you have to do that over and over and over and over again. And then... And I think we talked about this earlier um, off air around the concept of grit and resilience and building confidence and, you know, what is that? And, um, you know, that I'm sure a lot of people have read the Angela Duckworth stuff around grit and that and basically that ability to persevere, be passionate and persevere for a long-term goal, whatever that long-term goal is. And there's a couple of really important things that you need to consider if you want to become good at anything. And... Um, principles that she described really, really well um, and others. But number one is hope. Hope is really important because we have setbacks, things happen, things get in your way and you have to believe that things are going to work out well for you. You have to be intrinsically interested and love and passionate about what you're doing. All right. That can't come from mum or dad. Mm. It can't come from spouse. It can't come from friends. It may start off being driven by someone else and that's okay because we don't all have it. Not everyone has this unbelievable desire and passion and drive. We can train it, um, but you've got to think about it and you've got to water badly. And then you have to practice a lot. We talked about just over and over and over and over and over and repetition and making mistakes. And that's how we lay down this myelin, which is a more sophisticated nerve, which means you can do stuff that uh, in the moment you don't even think about it. You know, we see guys on the footy field. We see, we see Saad do a kick off his boot to the side I guarantee he's not thinking about that. Mm-hmm. He's only doing that because he's done it a thousand times in training and then he's practiced and then he's put it, you know, under pressure in a game. It's worked. And his brain says, oh, how good's that? That worked. And then it lays down that motor program related to what he just did. So the next time he gets that situation, he does it, he's not thinking about it. I actually, I remember, um, I remember years ago, Kevin Sheedy said to James Hurd in a team meeting, he said to him, because he kicked the ball literally sideways to the wing one day. And he said, Hurdy, tell everyone how you did it and why you did it and what you were thinking. And Hurdy said, I absolutely know. I didn't even know I did that kick. You know, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Sheet. Sorry, mate. You know, just because he's done it that many times, he just, you know, over and over. And the last thing in that process is is purpose, having a, having a purpose. It's like, well, why are you doing it? You know, there's got to be something beyond you, a reason beyond you. And we talked about this a lot and had a lot of people, you know, amazing people on your program have talked about this. So that hope, interest, practice, and purpose underlines resilience. 
you, you just keep coming back to those principles, you know, the whole time. And then, and then you look at, all right, a little bit more specific than that is say, well, different people are born with different talents. So people have to work out what they're sort of naturally good at. And that sort of happens over time. You work out what you're good at. And I mean anything in life, but then you develop, um, you have a bit of talent in an area. You, you then work on that skill, all right? You get better, all right? That skill improves. You feel better about yourself. Your confidence goes up. Confidence only goes up by doing the work. Yeah. This concept, you know, people, oh, I believe in yourself. and It's bullshit, really. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's absolute rubbish. The only way you get to believe in yourself is by doing, doing. the work and over and over and over. One of the, I reckon one of my biggest uh, personal unlocks is we had Jonah Oliver on the show like maybe last year or two years ago, and he's the Cam Smith's, uh, the golfer's personal like psychologist. He now works with all the live golfers. You imagine how much of a psych, uh, how much they need a psychologist playing golf. I need one myself. But he spoke about this unbelievable thing, concept of confidence versus competence. It's like confidence isn't a thing. Like you get confident by being competent. Like you can't be confident. Uh, if I'm going to go out and play on the PGA Tour, I'm not competent in doing that, so I can't really be confident doing it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. And I think when you when you're talking to um, really good coaches and really good athletes, the same principles come up. They just mm. keep coming up. There's no mystery. You know, I think everyone was trying to find. Everyone thinks there's a mystery. You know, around a, a, someone being amazing. There is no mystery. It is a lot of hard work, concentrated hard work. You know, a lot of mistakes, bouncing back. The, the the mystery is in well how tough are they how how resilient are they and how much are they prepared to do when things don't go their way because every single athlete I've ever worked with spoken to has had significant interruptions along the way mm. significant whether they're interruptions in terms of um, uh, physically uh, emotionally psychologically um, challenges with family members challenges with parents challenges with teachers significant others that have influenced them. You know, life is challenging. Life is tough. And the good performers are the ones that actually, you know, they lo almost love it. You know, they almost love when things don't go well. Yeah. You know, what's really a really cool point I'd love to touch on in this sense is like when you say good performers and, and good athletes, we're not just talking about the best players, are we? Like, I think one thing that's been really interesting leaving um, an elite sport is seeing players transition. And whilst there's players that might be the best in the team, and they have an enormous amount of skill, I don't think that they necessarily have this resilience and stuff in it because when they transition, the habits aren't there, the resilience isn't there, it doesn't maybe go into the second part of their career, and it can be built, it can be there. Then there's those other players that you see that you know they're probably stringing to mind now that you've worked with there where they're not the best players, but they just fucking have resilience, they have grit, they get the most out of themselves, they're the best athletes, you know, in quotation marks, and that then trajects into the next part of their life. I think, well, if you look at the best teams, they have a lot of trust in each other and they're mm. reliable. And then they have moments of brilliance. So, you know, so these guys that have got some pretty special stuff, they bring it to life at times and you see some pretty special stuff. But most of it's not. Most of it's just they're pretty good yeah. most of the time. You know, and this is the, the, you know, that concept which a lot of people have used over the years around, you know, raising the floor and lowering the bar, you know, and that, and essentially that's what, High level performance in anything is about is about your daily average. What is your daily average? But surely you'd see athletes that you work with where you go, fucking hell, man. Like, not sure if the resilience is is there, not sure if the talent, but like, you just get it done anyway. Is there always like a, is there sometimes a, 
um, exception to the rule? Uh, there's an exception to the rule in that um, they but can it's not still sustainable. They can have moments of brilliance. Yeah. So when you know there is moments of brilliance, but reliability and consistency is different yeah. to moments of brilliance. Yeah. And I think that's why. Um, I think that's why fans get frustrated with some players. Yeah. It's like, wow, why can't he do that every week? Or why, why is he only doing that twice a game? Um, and that's the that's why? that's it. That's the challenge, isn't it? For the player, for the people working with that player. And and it, it, you can get there. You know, you can work on it. You don't have to have. You don't have to be resilient to learn resilience. But, geez, yeah. you've got to want it. You've got to be passionate about it. Because you essentially all you're doing is you have to rewire. You've got to rewire your brain. And it doesn't, some have started with their wiring more sophisticated than others. Mm. You know, some of them got really good habits and some of them, their habits aren't great. But I've seen some players change their habits. Like, you know, I, some players over the years that are extraordinary. They had talent, they had moments of brilliance and they actually changed yep. their habits and became really consistent. In fact, some of them, their levels of brilliance may have gone down a fraction, but their consistency went up and they became an even better player. Yeah. Because they played the percentages a bit more, understood the game and the limitations and what the moment requires. It's like, and it, it, you talk about leadership, you talk about an athlete, you talk about what everything. One of the key principles talked about at this course is like, what does this moment require of me right now? When the shit's hitting the fan, what does the moment require of me right now? Mm. You know, and that's what a, that's what the good leaders do on field. That's what the good leaders do off field. Um, they don't lose their shit. They can. They have the ability, and a lot of them have had to train themselves to do that. Yeah, like that's trainable. That's not very natural for most people to really have to bring themselves down and think through things calmly. It's a great point. Very well articulated. I think I was trying to somehow string a sentence together about it, but you are you nailed it. What have you got for us here in uh, some A4 well, papers? Yeah, well, yeah, we talked about. I probably. Um, I think one of the things, if you, you know, you want to become gritty and resilient and whatever that you know, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, essentially, we're talking about building habits. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was if you're trying to build a habit, there's this thing called limbic friction, which is stopping us from building strong habits. So um, the research talked about habits, talks about three weeks to develop a habit. Um, and yeah, you can develop a habit, but habits can take a long, long time to develop. Like, you know, some of the stuff is like, it, it can take it can take a year. And so why is that? And, and, and so one of the fascinating things around um, the way the brain works is that different parts of the day, different things happen, different hormones are released. So these, if we talk about limbic friction, limbic friction is all about overcoming um, a state of being sleepy, unmotivated, or anxious. Um, and that stops us from doing something that we want to do or intend to do or, you know. Um, so we have a goal, want to change a habit, but we just can't breakthrough so that that is the state that this limbic friction is stopping us so things like um the start of the day we have more adrenaline released at the start of the day we have more dopamine released start having more cortisol released at the start of the day first eight hours of the day are a better time to develop a habit because as you go through the day the second eight hours of the day dopamine goes down serotonin goes up and we become more relaxed and we go into more of a sleepy state mm -hmm. so if you want to build a habit or you want to build something, do it when limbic friction is at lowest, which is earlier in the day. And hormonally, that's why we just feel more motivated when we get up generally, not maybe straight out of bed, but you know, within an hour or two or whatever, we feel more motivated. And then at nighttime, we've got testosterone, melatonin goes up. Um, and that's when we are at our absolute calmest. Uh, and that is when everything gets embedded in our nervous system. So all the stuff that happened during the day, 
the good and the bad gets embedded overnight into our nervous system and goes into long-term memory and all those amazing, fascinating things that happen without you even knowing it. So um, you need to, some people who struggle, they need to spend a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort. So do it at the right time of day. Um, when you, um, so you're saying the AM. Well, like I am, first yeah. half of the day. Yeah, first half of the day. And the, and the other thing that is really cool is there are a thing called linchpin habits. So you've got stuff that you're good at. It's easy. You've been doing it for years. So they talk about attaching a new habit to, you know, an old habit that's a good one. Habit stacking? So habit stacking. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just beautiful, isn't it? You know, it makes sense. You do something that's easy and then you go, all right, that's easy for me. Oh, and now I'm going to do a bit of mobility because I really don't want to do it. I don't enjoy it. I don't love it. But guess what? I know it's better for me. So do, you know, half an hour of what you love and then just do five minutes of what you don't love and then you just build and build and build. Cripper probably learned this from you, but I think one that he referred to was, you know, every morning he has a coffee. It's like, well, that's a good one that he loves. He does it. So every time you have a coffee now, you phone roll for five minutes, something like that. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. And then as we know, the more you do it, it goes into your subconscious and then you don't even think about it. Yeah. So we know it's you have to spend a lot of conscious effort for it to go into your subconscious. And if you think about how our subconscious is processing, you know, some of the stuff talks about 20 million pieces of information a second you know, versus the conscious is just nowhere near that. Um, so our subconscious dominates our world, absolutely dominates our world, which is both a good thing, but pretty scary as well because we're operating on autopilot for a lot of the day. We don't even know why we do it. We yeah. just do it because we've done it a thousand times before, you know. It's really cool when you, I've found even trying to pick up habits and recently just looking at food and everything that I'm doing, trying to break it down. The more you have those things, yes, you might fall on, along the way, but it's almost like just remembering the brain, the part, and you go, oh, fuck, I forgot it. And then yesterday I forgot it three times, today I only forgot it once. So just slowly you can actually feel yourself picking up on those things. Oh, but that, that, so if you, you know, you got really good sort of internal uh, feel for things and mm. um, you're going to pick that up. But that's part of it. We, we, we want to become more sophisticated, don't we? And know what we are and what we're not. And other people are really good at picking up things, aren't they too? Mm. You know, things like, you know, in the leadership course, they talked about, you know, really simple stuff like, you know, even whatever you want to change, have someone that you give the license to to make you accountable. So if you really genuinely want to change something, go to a friend, go to someone say, look, this is something in me I want to get better at. This is something I'm working on. Um, I want you to make me accountable because people aren't going to do that. People don't give feedback. They're not great at feedback. They don't love it. Yeah. It's it's really challenging to do that. So if you give them the license to say, I want to be this and I want, I want to know when I'm doing it and want to know when I'm not doing it, I want to know when you see it, um, it can be pretty cool because they'll pick up on a lot of things that you're not yeah. aware of because you just operate the way you've always done it. Yeah, me, uh, my wife and I have done that with our phones at the moment. That's a big one at home. Just like, we'll be like, nah, we're off our phones at this time. Two seconds later, bang, we're straight back on it. And it's like, fuck, like, it's um, a small one. I know a lot of, a lot of pe a problem for a lot of people. People don't think it's as serious, but it really, really is. Like, we're almost at the stage where we've just got to lock them in another room. Yeah, well, our attention, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier yeah. about where's your attention. And they're absolute killer, aren't they? Yeah. But Especially right. once you have kids. It's it you just realise that it's ruining that time with them too. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. And yeah. And I think a lot of us as parents are working hard on that, aren't we? Yeah. You know, the balance between the technology and the just getting them moving and how I'd have so many discussions with parents around, God, I just can't get them off it. I just can't get them off, can't get them off it. And then you know, which is why sport and music and arts and you know, whatever they can do that you can get them involved in 
um, being in the outdoors as much as they can because then they don't even think about it. Mm. You know, I know um, my son Jasper, you know, he's he's right like this, you know, but then he'll go on a camp for a week without and he said, I, mean, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I didn't great. miss it at all. I was just doing what I did, you know, so creating the environment where literally you don't tell them not to do it. You just create it that it's not, you don't have they to can't do it. do it. Well, you know what I was saying before that, that camp I went on, the first day I was like having a panic attack nearly, just grabbing my pocket, looking at it, no reception, walking around. After that, I was like, fuck this, this doesn't work. I left it in my room. On day three, I just was okay. But it nearly took me 48 hours to like let my body calm down about this phone not working. And I bet you when you finish the camp, straight back. Yeah. <laughs> straight back <laughs> yeah, into straight it. straight back into it. Hey, I really like that one, Dust. Write that down, limbic system. Limbic? It's already down. That's already a lesson learned. Limbic um, friction. Limbic friction. Yeah. And it was first eight hours of the day. Time to make a new habit. Very good. And then so much of this stuff is just all, it's so interconnected. Yeah. You know, because then we, we discussed a little bit before around hot colds. You know, this, this you know, everyone's doing, you know, hot colds. Again, and it, what, what is fascinating, again, you provide the environment, you provide the conditions and your body will respond. So if you provide a, a poor environment, um, lots of challenges, lots of stress, your body will respond that way. If you provide, you know, an, a really optimal environment, then it will respond that way in different hormones. So we're talking about hormones that are being released from your brain. Um, they're just doing it because of what you provide. So heat is an example of that. So cold, you know, what is... Is it making a difference? Is it important? Is it? And there's some really cool stuff about it. And if you think about when you're in cold, sympathetic nervous system fires up. So all of a sudden you feel more alert. Dopamine goes up. Testosterone grows up. Uh, brown fat, which is fascinating because brown fat has got mitochondria, increased mitochondria, you know, at a, at a, just a, being a more highly functioning human being, more mitochondria equals, you know, increased cellular health, you know, and then the, and then the health of each cell is critical and very much related to the health of the mitochondria. Um, but increasing mitochondria numbers is great for the cell, but then it's also great for the athlete. You know, mm -hmm. the endurance athlete is looking for increased mitochondria. That's why we do the endurance training that we do. It's why the best athletes in the world do a lot of endurance work, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. They are, basically trying to increase the numbers of mitochondria to be able to increase aerobic metabolism. Um, so similarly, you know, so, but, but, um, so start of the day, you know, do it early, do it before a meeting. You know, if you're feeling flat, you're feeling down, um, very similar to effects of caffeine. Um, so if you don't drink caffeine, you don't want to drink caffeine, then cold water immersion. Being immersed in the cold is going to be better than a cold shower, but a cold shower is really effective. Um, so better at the start of the day to do cold than to do hot. Um, but things like uh, if you're into strength training, don't do it after you do a strength session. It's no within four hours of a strength session because it can dampen the hypertrophy response. So you sort of got to know when to use it, when yeah. not to use it, and and what is it actually trying to do. And there's a little bit maybe decreases inflammation after a session or after a game as well. Um, so you can use it. Um, but whatever you do with hot and cold and all this, whatever you do, your body gets used to whatever the stimulus is. So you need to change it up. You know, you need to do different things. You don't just do the same thing every single time because if your body has a really optimal response the first time, you do the same thing by the 20th time, it won't have the same response. It's like we take a drug. Yep. Initially, we have, you know, our body responds a certain way and then we need a greater dose, different dose for our body to keep responding. That's why people take more mm. for the same effect. 
So um, are you meaning more in, in sense of say you do an ice bath every morning two minutes and that's your set routine. If you keep doing that, it's going to have less an effect on what you do because your body will get used to it. Then would you just, what would you be doing in that sense? Would you be swapping it in terms of longer time, colder baths, or would you be swapping going like hot and cold? And all like, of that. Yeah. I, all of that. Yeah. Basically just throwing the stimulus Just up. doing different bits and pieces, you know? yeah. And a lot of the research, you know, on the human stuff talks about 10 minutes a week. and um, But really, this is just experiment, you know, experimenting with it. Um, you know, you don't probably don't want to overdo it, like do it all the time. Yep. You know, you want to do it all the time. Um, I think, you know, as I said, the more you do it, the more you got to change it. So it's, uh, you know, but some people love it. So if you love it and you get a response every day, then and that's your routine, then, you know, that's great. Have you seen uh, players since there has been this ice bar sort of craze and it's popular now on social media? Is, there, is it more used at a footy club now from the boys or do you think they're still using them the same amount? No, I don't, I don't think it's changed the footy club okay. environment. Well, one thing that changed at Carlton is we didn't have it. Do you and, not have our ice baths? Well, we do now, but we've got an amazing facility now in the last 18 oh, months. When but prior to built, that, yeah. we didn't have much at all. So, no, they, but prior to that, they used to have the walking treadmill one. Yeah, they, they did, and we used it a little bit, but I didn't overplay it yep. because and it's actually interesting, the environment, they didn't love being in there because the environment was um, dark, dingy, yep. and, and it's like the environment that you're in is really important as well. So I actually didn't hammer it, whereas now they use it so much because it's light. So we, we put a lot of time and energy into planning the facility Smart. around it. They want to be in there, and it's a good place to be. It was pretty Lots yeah, of dark. light, lots of green, like, that was a really important part of the build. Fuck, that's a, that's really interesting. I, I know we sort of reference Huberman a little bit now with the um, getting out in the morning before 10 a.m., like sunlight and stuff like that too, is something that I'm really aware of these days. Like, you know, the podcast studio has to be dark for certain reasons because you can't, you know, just for quality of vision. But besides that, we always I'm always opening blinds at home, getting the windows, opening the windows, getting out as much as I can before 10 a.m. for that B12 hit. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or vitamin D. Vitamin D. Um, vitamin D. But all those things, you know, I've talked about, you know, cortisol, you know, dopamine, like the, it's hormonal. That's yeah. what you're looking to do. And then the the heat is very different. Yeah. The heat is about your parasympathetic nervous system. So it's all about, you know, recovery and dampening down and, you know, unbelievably good for sleep. You know, doing, um, having a steam room or getting being hot before sleep is, it's amazing. It really it's hardly a person that's done it that hasn't improved their sleep, mm. you know, that's used it. But, you know, growth hormone release, um, really cool things uh, people may not have heard on is, you know, everyone knows an endorphin release after you exercise and you feel good. But when you're in a stress state, you have dynorphins release, which is the opposite, right? So um, when, we're, when we're under stress in exercise, we, you know, it's uncomfortable, you know. And now the really cool research around being uncomfortable is so important to then bouncing out of that to feeling amazing yep. so the dynorphin release a whole lot of hormonal changes you feel stressed you feel you know you don't love it and then you come out of it and your body responds the opposite way and then you have all these hormones that are released that make you feel amazing about yourself increase recovery so again you're providing the environment you don't need to do anything you just need to stress yourself and then you need to get out of that environment and you get the benefit. Mm. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide live with no ad break during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. 
Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks for during play. Exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Jeez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy. Available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Just on that point about the ice baths and saunas and steam rooms, um, hot colds. What would you say just for the average Joe... Um, or the average athlete out there now, would you sort of give them a bit of a like synopsis on those of like what they should be doing or what if they're interested in those things, what's the time limits or the benefits, when should they be doing them versus um, alike? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, 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 look, this is trial and error and yeah. there's a bit out there on it, but I think mainly it's about playing around with these different yeah. things. Um, so certainly um, heat um, is late in the day, cold is early in the day. Uh, really strong on, you know, players don't do um, heat two days before a game because yep. um, it can really dampen you down and it can make you feel fatigued. And that's part of the recovery process is to actually feel fatigued before you bounce out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's um, that's really important. Um, we play around with a whole lot of different stuff. We might do just a 20-minute straight steam, you know, one day. And the next day it's more of a hot cold. And then next day it might be steam and then go outside, stop sweating, get out into the environment and then go back in, sweat, go back out, stop sweating. Um, so that mechanism, a lot of people love around the, the sweat to stop sweat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so in terms of some of that toxic removal that we know this is also beneficial from sweating in any capacity is just, we're just creating it artificially. It's the same as exercise, getting, you know, those toxins released. Um, you know, the cold again, the, do a lot of hot colds, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, might be four by two minutes cold, two minutes hot. Um, some days we might finish with the cold, other days we might finish with the hot, depends on the middle of the day or it's at the end of the day. Yeah, right. There are so many different so variations. Many, yeah. It is such a fascinating area. Um, and I think there's just a lot of trial and error going on for people. So just have a go. Yeah. You know, really, there is no right or wrong, but just using the basic principles of what you want to get out of. If you're in cold, you are looking to get going. And if you're in hot, you are looking to dampen Come down. Come down, yeah. It's, uh, I did a sauna the other night at... Uh, the gym I went to the gym did some weights after that jumped in the sauna and I know you said before but like genuinely hit my head on the pillow and was one of the best sleeps I've had in my life apparently my baby was up all night I I was like out so the missus didn't love it but I did it was really really good (laughs) I reckon she might get onto it soon yeah I think so Um, which is good and then and then you got stuff like um, if you want to really um, heat up quickly or cool down quickly so if you've been in an environment where you're really really hot and you want to cool yourself down quickly there's three areas of the body that um they're these things called they've got avas so there's no capillaries between your arteries and your veins so heat transfer is very very quick all right it's palm of your hands your feet and your face through here so uh you know the old ice bar the old ice on the back of the towel the head all that is not really as effective as hands feet face um, if you really, and that's what, if you see the medicos, you see them trying to, you know, in a situation where someone's overheated or they mm. might have frostbite or something, that's where they go to, you know, you see them with the hands and the feet. You know, a lot of the time is the focus is like, well, they're not worried about the body as much as hands and feet. Yeah, well, so what, like just dipping your face into cold water? Yeah. You can do it any, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, you can do it in a few different ways. You can put ice packs on, yep. you could put your hands in cold water, feet, whatever. Super interesting. In terms of like actually sport and stuff too for recovery, like were you 
trial that through games and like hot games, you know, like ice vests and stuff like that. Have you found much benefit in those sort of things? Uh, not not really. Yeah. It's, a, it's a difficult environment because you don't have much time. Yeah. You know, everything's so fast paced. And even, you know, half time, um, even half time. I know clubs have experimented with, you know, ice, you know, ice rooms and everything at half time and all that. Um, and I don't know whether they've been successful or not with that. But what I know is if you're in the ice thing, you're in a shortened position, you're sitting down and you're probably not communicating with your teammates and coaches about what you need to change for the second half. So yeah. there's always a there's always a trade off between you know, science and the practicalities of, of your, what's going on of your sport, yeah. and just getting getting shit done that needs to get sh- you know done at that stage. Yeah. So I'm more for that, you know, just do what the team needs to do than worrying around, you know, tricky science. Unless it's an extreme environment, and you think, well, that really, really matters, yeah. you know. So we did, you know. So we prepared Hawthorne. Um, we prepared in the steam room for a hot environment, yeah. and we got two grand finals over 30 degrees. I got no doubt it helped us. Absolutely yeah. no doubt. You know, that's um, we had regular dosages second half of the year, and it ramped up towards the finals. And um, so at half we played time, nine games doing every week. So every week except grand final. Really? Like and this, where a lot of the big games now played at night, and then, and then grand final day. So I don't think we played in a day, maybe for six weeks. You know, and then bang, you just hit thirty degrees on grand final day. So you're doing saunas at half time? No, no, definitely just no, after. Just, no, no, definitely not. Oh, it's no, throughout no. the week. Throughout the week in gotcha. preparation. Yeah. Um, can I ask as well, so you said before starting at SMW Sheedy, now you're at the Blues, long time in the game. What's been the biggest, if there even has been one, like 180 flip in medi- in um, high performance sort of science that you go, fucking hell, like 20 years ago we are doing this, now it's, we've actually found it's a complete opposite. Does uh, anything stand out? Well, we only just started with GPS at the early days. So we Early days we might have had three players and yep. we just did it in training. So we were guessing what was going on. Um Oh, look out the our external load in terms of GPS is pretty pretty good. Um, internal load in terms of you know heart rate is an interesting space you know because that's very different. Um, if you do a, a handball game for instance, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Yet you know your heart rate's ninety five percent max heart rate. Um, so GPS has its limitations. Whereas I th- everyone thinks it's a lot of people think sort of that's it and that's all that matters. That it's, it's a lot more complex than just worrying about that. I th- I think the Probably the biggest is the connection piece between the performance staff, the medical staff, the coaching staff. Like the yeah. integration now is yeah. is is outstanding yeah. in terms of what we're all trying to achieve. Spoke so about last time you're talking, yeah, the coaches, medical staff, and doctors sitting around like having really big discussions around certain things, and you're actually like on head to head on a couple of like big issues. Oh, big time! I mean, it's just such a environment where everyone's you know everyone's got an input. Um, and so, yeah, you're trying to come up with the best product. So, in terms of the the product now, is a better product. Mm. Um, physically, they're you know they're well prepared, but we probably do less pure conditioning than we used to. Now it's a lot more integrated with the ball, so yep. better decision making, decision making in the fatigue state. Um, but that's the balance for the guys in my role now is to say, well, are we doing enough pure conditioning versus getting in, you know within within your ball program? And different people have different philosophies, and you're playing around with it, changing it, and every year you're trying something different. You know, we're trying something different this year. Looks pretty good, but we'll wait and see. You know, yeah. how does it? You know, we can think it's great, but the judgment is only what shows up on game day. What everyone will see, they see it. Mm. You know, they know may not know exactly what it is, but they see that something. You know, you're going after something, aren't you? And mm. it comes out. 
it's really exciting. I was going to ask as well, just around a bit of a generic question, just in terms of sort of what we're talking about for an elite sport in general. If you're going to that, say, 30-year-old um, and not expecting anyone to just go out there and run a fucking 2K at their best that they can, but in terms of physical strength and aerobic uh, capacity, what would be some tests that the everyday athlete that's in the business world, the whatever the corporate world, whatever they're doing, would you recommend putting yourself through to sort of see where you're at? Like what's the most like really holistic test to get a good gauge on your, your fitness? Uh, well, oh, look, that's a tough question, Dylan. Yeah. Because it, it really, it depends on what you want to do. So it's got to be related to what... True. Like if you're riding or running or... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there is, there is no answer to that. Yep. You have to work out if you, you'd have to work out what is it you want to train for and then go backwards from that. So start at the event or the, doesn't matter if you want to run a 5K fun run or, yep. you know, you want to swim the pier to pub, you know. Well, say for my example, I'm doing or, the marathon this year in Gold Coast, yep. July 6th. Have you started training? Yes. How much? I'm running three times a week and gymming twice, but I'm doing uh, legs. I haven't done legs for four years and I've already found from squatting RDLing and calf raising, like I feel like the best I've ever felt. Just yep. getting the leg strength in. Because I did one yep. a couple of years ago and did no leg weights whatsoever, but then couldn't, after I completed it, like without joke, I couldn't run for a year. Like my body completely shut down. Yep. Well, I, so your point is um, spot on. Yep. I would start before you'd start doing a lot of heavy running. If you haven't been running, I would yep. start with a strength program. So if you start almost every different sport, if you've been out of it for a while or you've strength never done first. it, I would start and try and get some advice about a good solid strength program. And a good solid strength program is around its stability, balance, control, not necessarily lifting big heavy weights. Yep. You know, a single leg squat, you know, standing on the ground and the ability to just do a single leg standing squat pistol. and how many, a pistol squat, how many can you do? Yep. How many calf, single leg calf raises can you do? Can you do a walk lunge? You know, how many push-ups can you do? How many chin-ups can you do? It doesn't need to be very complex. Mm. We're talking about just some basic fundamental strength capacities. Um, you know, a lot of posture type work, like really concentrating on when you lift, yeah. lift with really good posture because, you know, it's very easy to overload structures, especially around the spine, yep. neck, head, lumbar spine, if you're not lifting correctly. Um, and then, I mean, if the most basic for, I mean, for a marathon really, um, I mean, if you're starting, it's probably somewhere around. If you're actually preparing for a marathon, it's probably something starting a lot like a 5K, a 5K yep. to see where you're at. Mm. You know, and if you're pretty well prepared, then you're probably testing yourself over 10K and then you're getting better prepared. You're testing yourself over a half marathon and then you're obviously going to the big dance yeah. and who knows what happens there because it's a different beast altogether. Mm. But, you know, I, I think you got to, if you want to run the marathon, you got to know, well, I need to be doing some pretty decent volumes and I need to be doing... I need to get out to 70 or 80% of, of the marathon yeah. before I get there. Yeah. Um, or you sort of set yourself up, you know, to fail a bit or, or really, really hurt in the last 10 Ks. Mm. Okay. I'll have to take this off there. Perfect. What else uh, have we got to go through today? Let's go through some other um, about recovery. Yes. Because obviously everyone's talking about it and what is it. And, and you talked about well, what's, what's changed. Well, the, one of the biggest things changed is, is analytics analyzing training um how we analyze training and then um how we assess their recovery you know coming back and so fascinating little smart watches heart rate variability you got you know your sleep scores recovery scores resting heart rates all these things and they're all really good but uh you need to keep them in context like a lot of people live and die by them 
Um, they're just there for me. They're in the background. They're interesting, but I don't overplay it. Some athletes become obsessed by it and it rules their world. That's the danger mm-hmm. of them. And, um, and some athletes don't really care at all. So, and they're just like, I'll just go by feel. You've really got to, I mean, by feel is more important than any of the data that you get. It's still knowing yourself and knowing whether you need a rest day, knowing whether you, you can push hard or pull back or whatever. But if we talk about, um, I think one of the things we, we spoke about as well is talking around breathing, you know, yep. breathing and, and things like that. And, um, and I think, again, we've talked a lot about the parasympathetic nervous system and all those things we can do, and let's use breathing as an example, is about maximizing your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and one of the main things within it is called the vagus nerve, right? The vagus nerve is, you know, the connection between brain, you know, brain, gut, uh, digestion, um, and our heart. So, um, and the fibers, a lot of the vagal, the vagal fibers go from your gut to your brain and not back. So we talk about how important diet is and we talk mm. about how important gut health is. And then we talk about, well, how important breathing is. Breathing is activating the vagal nerve, um, which is then leading to increase in parasympathetic hormones, which is then leading to an increased state of recovery. So again, we, we've talked a lot about today about you provide the conditions and your body will respond. You're not breathing with you're not breathing thinking i'm getting better you know my vagus system you know my my vagus nerves are operating you know i'm getting more you know vagus nerve activation like you're not thinking any of that but it's all just happening in the background i'm nodding you know my digestion isn't improving um you know there's, there is some really good stuff around um, breathing and um, emotional states as well so the breathing um, calms down the emotional states heart rhythm becomes more organized and coherent which are then then feeds into parasympathetic nervous system being at an optimal level versus highly anxious, highly stressed, disorganized heart rhythm. Uh, anything that is out of rhythm, your body doesn't doesn't like. It's going to be more stressed. Has to work harder to overcome that to get it back to homeostasis. So everything we do is about homeostasis. So if something is too high, your body's bringing it down. If something's too low, your body's trying to bring it up. It is constantly readjusting the whole time without you knowing about. Mm. So that's the cool stuff. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we're oxygenation to the cells and then we've got carbon dioxide um, on the exhale, which is, you know, getting rid of toxins. So there is a lot going on there, but there is no doubt that you are going to be a more highly functioning human being if you can use some good breathing techniques. And, yep. and all of this stuff is dose respondent. So if you do it for five minutes, you'll get a little bit of benefit. If you do it for 15 minutes, you're going to get more. If you do 15 minutes every day, then you've got to be operating at a higher level. Homeostasis, is that what you just referred to as well? So trying your body trying to just equal out, is that what it means? So every every, every system, every hormone, everything in your body is constantly adjusting to yeah. the environment, the stress you throw it at. Um, we are just in a constant state of, you know, trying to equal out, yeah. going down. Yeah. So I know that it, it's a concept, you know, you've got to think, bit laterally about but everything we do is so if if heart rate is high your body is doing its best to decrease that down you know metabolic rate is low then your body will kick in to increase metabolic rate so um and that you know every system of the body you know is pretty complicated yeah it's pretty complicated that's very it's very cool Um, and that's why trying to change these things with um supplementation and like changing these things 
it's complex and, and it's all encompassing. And it's very hard to talk generically about it because it's dependent on the person, I suppose, and what their symptoms or what they're trying to get out of it. Just a question around um, more of a statement actually, and this could be complete bullshit or not, but whenever I'm running and I, I really do enjoy running, I feel like I'm in the best sort of at a cellular level. You know, the best thing I love today is the word cellular and also the fact that when I said body and mind and you're like, it's the same fucking thing. We're actually connected. It's all the same. It's very true. I've never thought about it like that. But the point being is when I'm running and when I'm breathing um, as I'm running, I feel in a sense that, and I've, I've done this, but just from a bit of a mindfulness like level, I always run going, I'm breathing harder. The more uh, good energy is coming in, bad energy is coming out, the sweat's dripping out of my body. And from a sense, you're just talking about them around oxygen and actually breathing and all these things. Like that's almost a form of that as well, isn't it? Like running, elevated, um, elevated heart rate, high breathing, Blood's moving. One hundred percent. I mean, you look at you look at um, all the research around, um, you know, cardiovascular disease, and you know, a lot of these, you know, chronic disease states. And you look at the role of exercise and increased heart rate and doing strength training and all this. It's fascinating. Mm. Like it's fascinating. There was some great work on even. There was some great work they looked at um, older, <clears throat> some older adults, and they looked at the role of doing. Um, you know, hit training, you know, some high intensity interval mm. based training. They did three sessions a week. They did it with a group of 40 year olds. They did a group with 65 year olds. And they showed in, in increases in mitochondria of between 50 and 60% at that age. So even at 50, 60, 70, mm. we can actually be changing our physiology, which changes our health. Bloody there is never a moment, a day, a minute where you can't be improving your health and the main and obviously we know the main things are you know through moderate exercise diet breathing you know all the things we've talked about today yeah. are all pretty cool and that and, and again it's just about being the best you can be you know if you want to live you, you know talk about lifespan versus disease span everyone's everyone's saying well it doesn't matter you know we're living to 80 85 you know it's going longer and longer and longer but we're not all living longer in a state of health yeah we're living in a state of disease so these are decisions we all have. If you take away, just take away the performance lens, the principles are just exactly the same. We just need to calm down the amount of training we do and you know, we don't need to push ourselves as hard, but all the principles, body, mind, recovery, breathing, hot, cold, being active, um, mindfulness, meditation, whatever, whatever it is, whatever works for you. And, and they're all, they all apply to living a longer and healthier life. And then we know that genetics play a role so some people's genetics might it might mean that you know they're predisposed to things finishing a little bit earlier, but it's maximising whatever it is, whatever you've been given, whatever you've been born with. Well, let's get the best, you know. Let's maximise that, so which good. is pretty cool. But so cool. I'm not sure that people understand how powerful they are around those conditions you create, and then just let it happen. It'll happen for you, either positively or negative, but it's happening without you even knowing it. Oh, and it's just becoming aware of it. Like again, it sometimes it takes for you to. I don't know if it's being generically here, but I, I'm really envy people that realize that at a young age. Like I'm still quite young, but since becoming a dad, I've really realized this stuff. And I watched, because I want to be around for him, you know, as long as I can, I want to have good examples, be a good, you know, parent, have good sort of systems in place so that even the other day I was away and me and my brother-in-law were going for a run and he was sitting there watching us. And I was like, it's fucking fantastic. Like he's seeing his dad go for a run. And I know he's like 10 months, but that habit will build over time. And then, that will, you know, I never really saw my parents going for a run. Um, anyway, the point. Oh, no, well, that's cool. Yeah, 
It was really cool. That is that is really cool. Have you seen uh, Blue Zones? Uh, yes. That's fucking interesting. Yeah. Like exactly what you're talking about there around. It's not about, you know, being an AFL star. It's just about living an optimal life. And my um wife's grandmother is Hungarian. She's lived through, you know, wars, fled, um, fled Hungary to come to Australia, started a new life. And she is uh, nearly 90. She... Uh, grows all of her food in her backyard. She does Tai Chi. She plays tennis still at a tennis club. She has friends, like groups. She, yeah, she's never had like takeout. And she's the most like wisdom, like she has the most wisdom, like extremely healthy, still can get on hands and knees and pick up veggies out of the gut. Like it's fucking incredible. And you look at that um, Blue Zones doco with all those bits about like growing food, being able to sit on the ground, move your body, all those bits. You're like, geez, this is fascinating. Well, it's fascinating and um, and it's important that people get the right information too, isn't it? Yeah. Because you need the confidence to actually say, well, where am I? Mm. You know, where am I spending my energy and what am I doing? But we control so much. And it reminded me, it's not so much along those lines, but geez, the, you know, along this line of um, control, you can control and, you know, um, the, you know, Victor Frankl, Auschwitz, you know, mm. some brilliant, yep. some brilliant stuff on the way. The happiest man alive. The happiest yep. man alive, but, you know stand tall and shave every day you know it's just like what what can i do amongst absolute shit storm people being murdered everywhere just a horrible place to be it's just like well what can i do i can control how i walk into that environment every day i'm going to shave yeah i'm going to stand tall i mean you know i mean as hard as and difficult that is but we still have a decision to make even under extreme stress what we do with that it was a when you're talking before about the leadership camp and the four-star general is that the term four-star general? And I've seen this unbelievable uh, YouTube video years ago, and I still think about it all the time, and it's about a, a general in the army. I'm not sure if it was a four-star or not, but he talks about making your bed and the importance of just making your bed. And his whole talk was about if you can just start your day by achieving one thing, perfectly making your bed or just putting your pillows back in the right place, making you're starting with a win, and you're starting, it's like the stand tall shave. Just You're rocking up, already achieving one part of your day. And it's uh it's what they do. It's a really powerful speech. I'll actually link it in the show notes. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's that flow on effect, isn't it? If you do something, you feel good about yourself, mm. builds confidence. You have, you know, because you feel good about achieving that small thing, then you actually have a certain hormone release. Yeah. It makes you feel better, and then you feel more motivated to do something else, and just, you know, the risk get richer. That's so, all. The habit stacking, and the person who does nothing till lunchtime knows they've done nothing knows that that's not what they should be doing and then they have the opposite they have all the negative hormones being released they feel bad about themselves serotonin's low you know all the rest of it and then they can't get themselves out of it so it's it's that we get the flip side isn't it you know we see the flip side all the time um but one, i just wonder i just want to know you're talking about um what you can control and what you can't control i remember i remember james sicily you know talk about some of these you know at least they try things and they change things and you know i remember him you know, he was struggling for a period. And I said, mate, I just want you to do one thing. I just want you to change your diet, you know. I just want you to, you know, talk to the dietitian. But this is where we want to go. I just give me a month of committing, you know, to this diet in terms of your energy. Because I can't recover and I'm feeling shit all the time. And, you know. And then I remember he came back into my office and he said, and he basically said, well, mate, why didn't you tell me this was so good? You know, why didn't you tell me six months ago? He goes, I cannot believe how good I feel. I cannot believe how good I feel. You know, just changing, and he didn't change a lot, but he really committed to some. You know, what you take out and what you put in. Um, 
you know, and, and there's lots of you know guys Carlton like that, and you know Cripper well, and you know he has spent so much time and energy and you know around the world looking at you know what to do and how to do it better and tweaking this and that, and you know he is at the point where where he's looking for the marginal gains. Mm. You know, like most people aren't. Don't worry about marginal gains, as we talked about earlier. Just get the, get you know the basic rocks right. When you get to that level, you can start looking at you know do and it's all about energy mm. it's all about energy and energy equals you have a better average output every day you know talk about building confidence and resilience it comes back to being better every day and your best is good and your worst you're bridging the gap between your best and your worst. it's as simple as that bridging your gap between your best and your worst day your worst moment and that comes out in everything in life, your best moment in the boardroom versus your worst moment in the boardroom where you just lose your shit. Mm. You know, that best moment in a game versus the biggest mistake you've made under huge pressure with 100,000 people and millions of people watching. You know, that you're training yourself for those moments and you don't know, what you don't know is when the moments are gonna show up. So you're not thinking I'm training myself for then and then and there, you're just training yourself for, you're training yourself for extreme moments in life because stress will pop up and it'll pop up when you least expect it and that's the beauty of doing a lot of this type of stuff is that you're prepared without even knowing it for when that presents itself love it i do want to bore you with one little anecdote is that okay start of the Go year for it. i um was having a bit of a i was just like in a period where to be honest you know what it's like when you're you can only put so much energy into so many things and to really dedicate yourself to something and be good at something you have to nearly just you know the burners? It's like you have to nearly switch all burners off and just fucking go ham at one. And that was work for me. I was probably burying myself in that, trying to start a family, all those bits and pieces. But what went with that was my physical health, bit of mental health, you know, relationships, all those bits and pieces that go away when you're really trying to grow something and be good at it, which I don't regret because you need to do that in order to do something cool. Yeah. But then it comes to times where you need to switch back. Was like I genuinely never have felt worse like in my body just in tiredness like i was finding myself at like midday just going like i need a fucking nap like i'm so tired so when i had these blood tests spoke a little bit about this at the start of the year but low b12 um which from my understanding carries the red blood cells around which is why the not enough oxygen so i'm always fatigued um and i had high cholesterol so that came from a sedentary lifestyle in terms of not working out enough but also the fact that like every day no preparation of food straight on the Uber Eats, Guzman and Gomez, straight to the office or whatever it was. Yeah. So a big check for me was like getting those parts and being like, all right, now that burn is looking after itself. Let's turn a couple others on, dedicate some back into this to get myself where I am. You know, better me, put my, you know, um, plane, my, uh, my oxygen mask on so I can actually look after other people again. But the big thing has been like the physical side of things and now that I'm getting back into that and really putting energy into those facets, like I can see how much everything else is improving. Which, I mean, that's just, it's, you go through it, um, but it's not till you go through it that you realize how powerful mm. it is, do you? Because a lot of us don't realize you're in that, I bet you didn't realize you're in that space for a while. No idea. And then all of a sudden it's like, hang on, either someone's told you, someone's challenged you, or you've had a moment of, geez, I've let someone down here. Yeah. You know what it was? I was at a mate's wedding, it was in Bali, and I remember always loving being around the pool um, with the rig out. And I remember a couple of my mates who aren't athletes, they kind of be like, fuck, wow. And I was like, <laughs> Poor. 
and it hurt. Like it kicked me. Like not hurt. I wasn't upset by it, but I was just angry. Yeah, like yeah, really. Yeah. And you need to get angry to make a change. And I'm not where I want to be yet, but fuck, the first month I've already made so many good changes in my body. Like I'm still struggling a little bit with energy. Yeah. But it's coming back. Yeah. Which is cool, and I think, um, yeah, you get rewarded. Yeah. You do get rewarded in the long run. You know. Yeah. It shows out. It shows. It shows up, and I um. When I did this leadership course overseas, it was um, uh, it was the first time I'd been part of a leadership course where they talked about total health. Mm. They spent a day on diet. You know, every morning we went out into the Colorado mountains, which are spectacular, like unbelievably spectacular mountains. And we'd either run, walk, box, you know, and it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you'd done nothing, a lot. They just catered for you, but said, mm. you know what? You got to get your own shit right here. If you're going to lead others and whether that's, in your family, leading your kids at work. I mean, we're all leading some, someone, something. Mm. That's We all do it. Um, you got to get your own shit right, you know, before you can worry about anyone else because they're, they're picking up everything. They're picking up everything, whether it's at a conscious or subconscious level, they're picking up everything from you. So if you want to be a good leader, you have to be all in. You've got to model it. You've got to model it. Jack, that was... Uh Honestly, I think we could do seven part series on this. I'm gonna I wanna get you back in um more this year. I'm wary of your time and I know you got a lot on, but that was seriously one of the best chats I've had in a long time, mate. I really appreciate it. I know a lot of people are gonna get a shit ton out of that. We need to do it again. Mate, we can. I'd love like we can. that we, that is have you had that people was, who have you had back third time? Emma Murray, she comes every year at the first just to set us up. She's unbelievable yep. mind, Emma. She's very good, but yeah, I'd love to make you a staple. Well, hopefully it's after the Blues have uh, yeah, had some success. Have you, you know, on a personal level too, and you don't have to talk about this now, but is this like you've got a serious wealth of knowledge. I feel like a lot of people should should uh, be able to access this at a wider level. Have you ever thought about doing any more stuff like long-term in your career? Like I know you're doing yeah, incredible yeah. things at the moment. But No, absolutely. I, I, I love this and um, I do bits and pieces of it yeah. outside the footy club, but not very often. But I love it. I... I mean, fundamentally, what what is your purpose? And I spent a, a lot of hard yards trying to work that out. And I've I've spoken a little bit about this, you know. My, um, my dad was a doctor, and um, I sort of felt like um, you know my I wasn't achieving a lot, you know, I, whether it was subconscious or not, relating it to him. He saved lives, you know. I'm just helping people run around the footy field, you know. It took me a long time to work out you know, what is my purpose and why I'm doing it. This is like the middle of my career. I was really lost and it's just like, what is the reason for all this, you know? So I'm a lot better. Um, like, you know, I've worked that out. Um, I love, you know, I just want to help people. Right now that's the players, that's the Carlton Football Club. That is whoever is in that environment. I just want to help people be the best they can be. Now, part of that we know is the, it's the challenge, it's the support, it's the, all that. Um, which is, you know, I love all that. Um, but when footy is done, absolutely, you know, I will I will branch out, you know, leadership space is, you know, a real passion of mine. I've spent a lot of time and energy over the years mm -hmm. in that space, traveling the world, um, reading, talking, all that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, the chat we've had today, I want to get to as many people as possible so they can live, you know, really highly functioning lives and feel better about themselves and, everything that flows from that so you have one conversation with one person that improves the way that they live a little bit and that just you know when you see that in a footy club you know there's 45 players and there's a lot of stuff and everything. 
the tentacles are so wide. Mm. You know, you have a player and his wife and the kids and the family and the auntie. And then there's, for every player, there's another five to 25 people that are being influenced in some way by what's happening there. Mm. There's hundreds and hundreds of people just directly. And then obviously it's um, the fan base and, I mean, and I, you know, I was talking to Vossi about this yesterday. It's just like, you know, I've been at four clubs and it just blows me away. And he was the same. It's like, it blows us away, the passion of Carlton. Yeah. It blows me away. And I'm not overstating it. Yeah. The passion is extraordinary. Um, and it's just amazing to see, you know, no one says, oh, you know, Joe, I'm a Carlton supporter. You know, every single one, mate, I'm a mad lunatic. You know, like they say it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say it. They say it. Um, and so what winning does and the way that they play, not just winning, but just the way that they play and what they represent and how that affects so many people continues to blow me away. And as I've got older in life, I appreciate that more and more and more. Early in my career, it was just about, you know, winning and getting the job done and getting a premiership. And, you know, now it's just like, it's, it's so far beyond that. Now the reach of what it does to people, you know, it's the old, you know, why we're living, you know, something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to, you know, isn't that, you know, where in a, some small way playing our role, um, love their footy team, you know, um, they really look forward to the weekend, the hope aspect, mm-hmm. all thinking, oh, well, we lost last week, but guess what? You know, next week's a new week or next year's a new year. Like every supporter is just has that, you know, element of hope. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. The the most extraordinary experience I've ever had in the game, there's two most extraordinary experiences. One was after the Melbourne game last year, walking off the ground, winning that final was unbelievable. Mm. Like I remember walking off Vossi and it would have been probably three minutes after the game, maybe five minutes, you sort of lose time. And I reckon there were 70,000 people going off. Like unbelievable raw passion 73rd because some had left the melbourne supporters left but the majority were there it was just extraordinary and then the next week versus brisbane the team loses and gets cheered off the ground by 10,000 15,000 and I, I have never been to an interstate venue where it felt like it was your club yeah especially in a final like it was just like this is a carlton game it was just and the players to be able to experience that i mean that's so special they love it they appreciate it they talk about it uh, they understand uh, the responsibility they have that goes with that. You know, they they it's big. It's big yeah. for them. They understand it. Um, but yeah, that was just extraordinary walking off the ground and must have been ten or fifteen thousand at least cheering like we'd won the game. You know, it's incredible. Is I you know so lucky to have Carlton embedded in my life and to this day like this, whatever this is now wouldn't be is built off the backbone of that support. Like you know, I've been able to grow and find other people that still to this day. Carlton is a massive part of what this is. And I went to the Melbourne game. I went to the Brisbane game as well and flew up. And one thing that was really cool is like, no matter what I've, what we do now and how lucky I am to do what we do, there's something about being in a team and an elite sport that I sat back and was like, fuck, you can't, you can't experience this anywhere else in terms of, I wasn't a part of it at all. And it, it hurt, but like, I don't really want to be a part of it, but there's a part of me going, oh fuck, I wish I was a part of that. Like, the way people look at you, the way you can make people feel. Um, you know, we're reaching so many people today and I'm hoping it's helping millions, but there's something about sport and the way that it can actually like galvanize strangers and families and relationships is pretty fucking special. Um, it's like church, really. Uh, I know a lot of people might follow religion or they don't, but 
back in the day when I went to church on Sunday, it's not so much a thing anymore. Like the MCG is really a church and it's it's like people go, they feel a part of something. It's a community. It's pretty pretty cool. And I think the play, like I know players understand it, but it's hard until you probably aren't in it anymore to really yeah respect it. Yeah. I think as they, as they get older and yeah. certainly the Carlton players that have been through a lean period, like they really, you know, like their appreciation levels, mm. they're extremely... Like they're really extremely humble about the whole thing. Um, yeah, th- that is that is pretty special to see some of those guys went through some tough times and now, mm. you know, experience a little bit on the other side. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's why we do it. I think COVID. I feel like I feel like there's an extra layer of passion. Yeah. And the connection piece, like the religious piece, it just it feels more powerful after yeah. COVID. I mean, that that's a pretty extraordinary event that we went through yeah. in terms of, um, you know, the history, you know, the, the, you know, the short-term history of the, our world. Yeah. It's pretty extreme. It's weird as well. So it? I feel like there's more, more of that, more passionate, more connection. Oh, it's, it's going to be a huge year. Can you give us one player you think is going to take the next level this year? Oh, one player. <laughs> I'll give you heaps. Ah, uh, oh, look, um, there, look, Elijah Holland says not missed a session. Uh, people forget how good club. he is. Like pick um, seven, I think at Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's doing some stuff that's pretty special mm. um, that you don't see a lot of players do on the field. Um, uh, Mott Lop has been, you know, in terms of mm. you know, small forwards, he's been he's gone to another level. It's really exciting because. Um, probably about their fourth or fifth year, you see players reach what they're going to be or they get to 90, 95% of what they're going to be by then. If they're not there, then they're probably not going to get there. Mm. You know, and then there's always exceptions, but fourth or fifth year, it's there and then there's just marginal. They just improve a bit yep. over and, you know, and, um, but that second to fourth year is, is really cool. Um, really fortunate to be able to see, you know, them develop physically, emotionally, um, in so many ways, you know, during that period. So that's the that's where they pop, you know. That's where they really pop. You know, DeConning's been very good. Um, young guy, um, you know, Harry Lemmy has had a very good, you know, um, tour forward. He's mm. had a very, very good preparation. Um, no, nah, there's, there's, you know, there's there's lots of guys there that, um, you know, lots of guys. Some in midfield, a lot better than last year. Um, so we, uh, we hope there's some... Uh, good times yeah i can feel something brewing that's for sure um it's exciting it's really exciting mate hey again thank you so much for your time um genuinely learn a lot today and uh i know a lot of people would have got a lot out of it so i look forward to um getting you back in and looking forward to the season ahead um under yourself and vossi and cookie and the rest of the crew um it's in good hands and yeah looking forward to also seeing what's next for you in the next sort of five to ten years i think some pretty cool shit's gonna happen yeah, no, I'll just uh, I'll just worry about now. Big just job, focus on now, mate. And uh, good I'm luck. a future guy. Good luck for the yeah. marathon, eh? <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank Take you that energy much. back. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to another Clubby Sports Podcast. If you like this episode and you're looking for something else to listen to next, I've added a link in the show notes to another episode that I think you will love. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Dylan Friends, on TikTok at Dylan Friends. And if you want to send something in for the show or chat to us on the minis, any bit of feedback, please email me at mailbag at dylanfriends.com. We'll chat to you soon, IlyXX. Thank you so much.
KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad break during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play. Exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Jeez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy. Available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.